Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to turn, we're in the New Testament this morning in Second Corinthians, and boy, someone brought to my attention, it's, it's kind of an auspicious day, it's the 21st anniversary of 9-11, and some difficult things have happened to our country, and it's easy to kind of forget what God does and who he is, and get caught up in struggles and pains and different things here. And one of the amazing things about the Bible is that it doesn't flinch away from those things. We get to even see today. And so if you have your Bibles and want to turn, again, Second Corinthians, we're in chapter 1. You know, Paul doesn't begin with this sudden great way that he begins so many epistles. So many times in the portions of the New Testament that the Holy Spirit had him write. He does a great thanksgiving, a great praise, a great explanation of the gospel, and then he goes into practical things. Well, in this letter, he doesn't do it. He goes right in to the relational things that he wants to hit on with the Corinthians. That's because there's been four letters, and this is, we think, the last one. He struggled with them. It's amazing. So last week we saw this this start off, and he starts off right away with very practical truth that we took home, and it was that God doesn't deliver you from affliction. He comforts you in it. That's a big deal. Ah, it's a big deal for your life because I know most of my life I, I love to pray. I love to pray as an intercessor. I love to pray for people, and my heart usually is I want God to heal them and touch them. How much more do I want that for my life? I want my life to go okay. And then in comes Paul with this. You, you do realize that it's about the comfort of God for you in Christ. Not the deliverance from you out of your suffering. In fact, Jesus suffered. Our Savior. You want to be like Jesus. So we talk a lot about God being for us, but what that means for me usually is life going well. Man, if God is for me, I, the whole Joel Osteen thing, you know, I have my best life now. I said, life should go really well. And then, and then this book comes along, this Bible. <laughs> and Paul kind of rocks my world. I don't necessarily love it. But it's true. At the end of the day, true is better than what I wish for or might think, imagine, or think God is like. Okay, so, so this idea, and we get it, you know, this isn't a one-to-one, but we color our view of life, you know, based on the frame of how things are going. If I think things are going well, if the circumstances are going well, doors are opening, if, if, if I'm having some success in some areas, if I'm getting a little, I'm, I'm like, God's with me. There are all to me yeses. Lord, heal me. Yes. Lord, I love a child. Yes. I make decisions based on what's going right. I sort of read the tea leaves in my cup based on, you know, how, how, how success seems to be going. I mean, think about that even in our witness, you know, in light of how we act like Jesus and what we mean is moral goodness and, and shining love. So it's, it's right that many of us are, 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 it's true, many of us are anxious and guilty and why? Because we think, well, I see a lot of hypocrisy. Church is kind of lame. People are kind of lame. I don't, I don't know about this whole thing. I become a pessimist, you know. 
I, the light of Christ is low. God is good, but not really to me. I, I, I prayed for a beautiful Bellingham this week, and my mom's in town, you know. Be great for her. And then, you know what? The most smoke I've ever seen in the whole entire universe of Bellingham. It's like, how can I breathe? It's like, Lord? But, but, but not just about that. Really even relation, specifically kind of in relationships, you know? I, I, my wife makes a comment, and I take it the wrong way, and all, all of a sudden, there I am. I'm... I'm You know, oh, oh boy, boy, that's a great picture of you 20 years ago. You were really fit. Yeah, I'm 100 pounds heavier now. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man. So I grump for a while, you know. I get frustrated, and she's frustrated. We're distant, and pretty soon we're pessimistically assuming what other people think of us and, 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 and just think about how that reflects what God thinks. Okay, I'm kind of beating this to death. Why? Because I almost titled this message, why I'm an optimist and you should be. But then I thought, well, maybe you're by nature not an optimist, but a pessimist. Even if you're a pessimist, even if you lean that way, I'm telling you, you've got great reason and we have a great reason to think differently than, than maybe you should. And maybe that's even the witness is that our frame has changed. This view, what we find in the Bible today, it loosens up my heart. It gives me assurance and joy. I hope it does to yours too. And, and you can be, not that you are, an optimist you can be of course it doesn't it's not, not going to change anything about it's not going to change anything about the reality of christ for you but it might actually be what paul in the bible is trying to push you towards of seeing that god's no in the middle of it is a yes and our response is amen and so that's the amen that's on the screen but it's got to start with a no because I'm a sinner, you are too. I don't, I don't like these weeks when God impresses that upon me, but, but we start with, with a no, a definite no. So let's go there with me. That's chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, verse, verse 15, and it starts with this. He says, because I was sure of this, it's like their fellowship in the gospel together. Paul's just starting out really this letter. I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. He's not talking about them having a, an, an, another work uh, sort of speaking in tongues or something. The grace of his visit. When he visits them, it's a good thing for them. I wanted you to experience my visit again, he says to them. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has been not been yes and no. Okay, you're a little bit like, and if you're like me and you read these letters and you're, you're, you're ready for sort of the amazing start of Ephesians or the wonder of Galatians and you're a little bit like, well, this is kind of boring. Let's just keep on going. We'll find something better. And you'll skip and miss something amazing. So he says, right, right away, at the start of the letter, he's dispensed with the thankfulness. He's gone right into what's happening. It's a big deal. And then we don't get what's going on. But this letter is being written because he said he would come to them and he didn't come. They heard he was coming and then they heard he didn't come. The apostle to the Gentiles, the number one guy around, he's going to come visit. And, and then he didn't come. And the question becomes, why, right? 
He's the founder of the church. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, and he's deciding to stay away. Paul was going to come see us, but he didn't show up. And Titus came with a letter saying how sad he was. So, you know, we, you know he's just hiding from us. So that's the context, right? And Paul says, no, 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 but, but I, I, I want to use my heart, which is for you, to, to give you a, a picture, an example of how God works, <laughs> how God works with us. I want to make a point about the message I bear, about how you're thinking of me not making it hypocrisy, right? Instead, that's anger or sadness or why aren't you coming and why wouldn't you? You said you would and you didn't. Is it just circumstances? Or, but I know it's not circumstances because you know Paul was having a big fight with them. They, they, they were saying bad things about him. So I know people, you know, Paul's like, why am I going there? I'm not going there to see them. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to be far away. So Paul says, no, I... I how you're thinking of me not making it, and you're going to assume I'm a certain way, I want to make sure you know that's not true. And in fact, let me tell you something about God. He wasn't hypocritical, he says. I'm not dealing with you out of ambivalence. I'm not yes, yes, and no, no. That's that statement, right? In fact, the entire way you look at the message for your life is caught up right here in how you're seeing my visit. The, the, the Corinthians experience that Paul didn't come when he said he would. So assume that for a minute, right? If, if, what if it's God? You pray and nothing happens. What, 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 if, what if he's a regular person? You say, okay, someone's going to show up and you, you know you've kind of had some roiling and you've had some letters and he's sat at you and you haven't been doing what he wants you to do and then the guy says, oh, by the way, I'm just going to send a letter, I'm not coming. What do you think he thinks of you? You think maybe he's still ticked. You think maybe he's avoiding me because he's hurt. You think maybe he just doesn't like me, unlike us. And so that's all the thinking you would think about what Paul was doing. And it echoes our relationship with God. You know, I don't see him showing up in my life. I don't see him helping. I wonder if he's still around. I wonder... (laughs) I wonder if I'm in his favor. How do I avoid his no and get his yes for God, right? So Paul pulls in this theological answer to a really simple question of why didn't you come? He could have just said, you know, God prevented me. I really wanted to. Really wanted to go, but God just didn't let me come. He doesn't say that. He says something different. But it starts with this no. He didn't show up. Why? What's the message? So the message is the yes. See it with me, would you? Here it is. Verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and, and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. Okay, okay, this is a central gospel truth. You get this today, you're getting something amazing. The Son of God, Jesus, is the center of everything. This is who we proclaim to you, all of us. It's not yes and no. It's always yes in Him. Is He for you? Yes. Does He love you? Yes. 
Has he rescued you? Yes. What, what will stop that? Well, does your maltreatment of him stop it? Does your arguing with him stop it? Are your circumstances evidence in any way that he doesn't care for you? Want to be with you? No. He, he's always yes. That, that's what it says, right? That, that's what he's after. But the context isn't, because I know right away, because I did this in my own head. Maybe you do too. It's like, oh, well, can I come up with a question that the answer is no to? Lord, give me a Lamborghini. No. Well, not always yes. Look, I can find a circumstance. I can find something where God says no, right? That's not the thing. That's foolishness. This context is they think Paul doesn't do what he said he would do. They think Paul's not following. Paul's a hypocrite. He'll say yes, but he won't follow through. He said he was coming and he didn't come. That's the context, right? <laughs> They've, and, 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 and so the, the subcontext of that is because they've grieved him, because they haven't pleased him, because they're not good enough for him to actually come. Like he said he would, but now he's just going to write a letter because they have been fighting with him. I mean, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians is just a litany list if you go through it. Fantastic letter, fabulous to read, right? But it's a litany list of all the things they did wrong. You guys have sin in the body. You guys aren't taking communion right. You guys are doing this, all this list of bad things. And so they get that letter, and then they get that Paul even visited them once, and it was terrible, and it went horribly. And now he says, well, I'm, I'm coming back. And then he doesn't come. No, so that's the piece, right? This, this is the context. It's not, can I come up with a question that's no, like, will God say yes to anything I want? The context is, does God do what he says? And Paul comes right back at them with this theological truth of yes in Christ, right? That, that's what he's talking about. All the promises of God find their yes in him, in Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God. For his glory. All the promises of God, yes, in Christ. They don't find their yes in your strength and your power and your improvement and your enablement. They, they don't find they find their yes in Christ alone, in him. We agree with God, right? That this is the way. The promises of God find their yes in him. We read one of them this morning. That's Psalm 15. It's an amazing psalm. It's repeated, actually, that thing. Who can again, who can come into the tent of God? Who can come into his holy hill? And then it starts listing off things. You know, one of the first things is he who is blameless. Guess what? I'm out. So are you. You don't come into the tent of God. You'll die. That's a tabernacle, right? Even the high priest only got to go in once a year. You don't go into that. Who, who, who is upright and blameless? Who did perfectly? Who did all those things? Is it, isn't it talking about Jesus? He did it all. And then, and, then, and then God says, all the promise of God find their yes in him. And that yes is for who? It's for you. Why? Because you get Jesus. You get Christ, you get all of his goodness and all of the things that he did right and his uprightness and then it gets to you. And so God's yes is yes in Christ. Do you, do you see at least the problem? Huh. 
If Christ is the promise kept that God would dwell among us and we would have a relationship and we would be with him forever and everything about you and God is yes in Christ. It's like everything that lets you be in his presence. Yes in Christ. The problem is, is that I see the no. It's exactly the problem the Corinthians were having with Paul. And, and Paul's bringing it up. Why, why do I say that? I'm, I'm having trouble following. Okay, think of it this way. They see Paul not coming. They don't see Paul coming and giving him a hug. They see all the sin in the body. They see all the ways they're not perfect. They see all the things that aren't happening right. They see all these things. And so the assumption for everybody that I know is is this, is man, if I could clean that stuff up, if we got our act together, then Paul will come. And Paul's like, no, do you understand? The yes is in Christ. He did it already. The connection I have with you and the connection I have with you, the connection we have with each other is to Christ. It's not our behavior. The yes is actually wrapped in a no. This is the ground. Keep walking. As it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who also has put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You see, things are not as they seem. The Corinthians experience is that Paul didn't come when he said he would come. Why? He's he mad at us, avoiding us as he lost his favor. This echoes and Paul's answer is first theological. God's yes is always hidden in a no. It's about you actually getting the Holy Spirit. I can't see the Holy Spirit. Right? Everything in God is yes, because in Christ we have everything. But it is wrapped in our weakness that doesn't change on earth. So what seems to be weakness and poverty and sin and death are actually the very ground in which yes is found. Why? Because the yes is in Christ. I just, I can't say how much how important that is to how you live your life. If you can get this, right? Everything is yes in Christ. We who otherwise are a huge no, now we just say amen. So be it, like the relationship with Paul, right? They haven't lost him, he loves them. If God loves you, you know nothing else really matters. If it's the truth of your life that he has you, you know nothing else really matters. The God of heaven has you. You're going to be okay. That leads to his second kind of answer. His first answer is theological. You know there's this no that you're seeing, but in the middle of it's a yes because my heart is for you. And let me explain. He says practically what that looks like. And, And he says this. He says, but I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. I didn't come, but my heart was for you, Paul says. Right? He says, he says, not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? 
And I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. So, so he hasn't visited, not because he didn't want to, because he felt it was best for them. I'm laying down my life for you, and I didn't want to cause you pain. I knew we'd had some trouble, and, and, and honestly, this inner yes is that I am for you 100%, and, and I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to cause more grief. Their grief is his. Their sorrow is his. And they instead should be a joy to each other because of Jesus. And his announcement is sort of Christ alone. And that brings the hope of our joy being this incredible love. And he, he didn't want to hurt him. That, that's what he's saying, right? So, so do you see that inside the no, there's this no, I'm, I'm not coming. Is this incredible yes that he's so for them. That's so different than how I think normally. There's a no, I feel like someone's against me. If, if there's a problem, I feel like the underlying piece is that they're angry at me, frustrated with me. Not, wrong, man, something's wrong and I want to make it right. Instead, instead, what Paul says is, hey, your perception of no has an inner core that's actually a yes. God for you. This relational lesson is a picture of the bigger theological example. God's yes inside his no. That means you are suffering this you're suffering health physical ailments anxiety emotional ailments loneliness relational ailments wondering this is what we do if god's really for you and inside that is that he is Jesus suffered, and you do too, but the wonderful inside heart is a God who never lets you go for a second. Jesus is for you. He died for you, and it worked. We don't have to prove it. We just say amen. There's an amen. This is so different than you can ever think. Because right? I, I, think? I think what I want to do is to present God as to other people into the world. I was talking to someone the other day. They're like, you know what? I don't really want to wear a logo that says Jesus on it or Christ on or anything because when I walk around the world and, and you know especially a bumper sticker because I speed far be it then someone sees me speed and then they look at the bumper sticker and they think there goes a Christian speeding right and I said well what, what do you want to present to people I want to present Christianity as like people who do exactly good I said well is that anybody you know Maybe you, Dax. Oh, you obviously don't follow me around in the car. <laughs> right? We're speeders. We do things wrong. We're like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to present that Jesus is like, I'm gonna, let me give you the light. And what I think the light is, is me being good, me being the yes, me being the goodness and the greatness. That, that, that's, that's a, and, and then it's all fake. Because I'm not that way. And instead of the reality of, you know what, I've got a fallen person sitting here talking to you, but inside that is the message of yes. Like, do you believe that God forgives us all in Christ and he's paid for us? It's so amazing that in spite of my fallenness, he's doing amazing things, that we, get, we would have that amazing witness. We think the witness is, oh, if I can be good enough, I'll be Jesus. Okay. Like... 
flashing red light. This might surprise you. Well, it wouldn't surprise a couple of us. They're really good. You are not Jesus. You are not Jesus. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus is perfect. Jesus could walk into the holy tent of God because he didn't. He never did assert anything wrong. He was blameless. He was perfect. And you're going, well, I'm going to be Jesus in this. And no, you're not. You are not Jesus. Our yes is inside the no. If you look at me strongly, if you follow me around like a little angel on my shoulder, I'll tell you, you're going to end up thinking, okay, boy, he's one imperfect person. The message is, God's yes is inside the no. God's yes is in spite of the sin. God takes our fallenness and our wrongness, and he forgives us anyway. Do you know forgiveness is at the center of Christianity, not improvement not be like me except paul says be like me as i follow christ as i live this message out that i'm fallen i'm the chief of sinners i'm the one that's the worst and here i am i have yet i have the holy spirit who uses me and i don't even deserve it because there's a yes inside the no that's that's what he's saying We say amen. We agree. No matter where you are, the rest of this is Paul's amen. He says, wow, do you realize even the relational piece I'm saying to you, you think something's wrong. You think things should go better. You think your circumstances should improve. You think you know the way things should be, and they're not. And yet inside of that is this God who's for you in Christ because that's outside of you, and he has promised, and all of his promises are yes. Trust him. And Paul then says, okay, amen. Paul says, our answer is amen to his glory. This is the glory of God, which is in Christ alone and not in you. Okay, and this is the response. If anyone has caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but in some measure not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. You should rather turn to forgive and comfort or he he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. And, and for this I wrote that I might test you to know whether you're obedient in everything. Anyone who forgive, I forgive. Indeed, what I've forgiven, if I've forgiven anything, it's been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that you would not be outwitted by Satan so we are not ignorant of his designs. So you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, he's, he's talking relationally, right? He's talking again of their assumption that there's something wrong. So they would say, wow, well, I'm gonna, I've got to restore this relationship. We're going to come down on this guy who was against Paul. We're going to reaffirm that he's our apostle. We're going to kick this guy out who was questioning Paul's authority. We're going to hammer him. And Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the amen. The amen to this amazing gospel is Forgiveness. Give him forgiveness. Don't come down too hard on him. This is the first thought, right? Here's a gift. How can we give such a gift? And that's because we know this hidden inside the no yes. Paul's concerned they'll be too harsh to the one who questioned him. Don't be outwitten by Satan. What's that? Thinking he could actually trip up God. Right? Have a soft heart. 
towards him and towards God. He's not mad at you. That means also deal gently with the one who caused the offense. Forgive and give him the gift of forgiveness because his righteousness is in Christ like all of our righteousness is in Christ. If the whole idea is we don't deserve anything, that's the no. And then in the middle of this is yes, of yet in Christ, God promises us everything. Then what's the amen to that? Forgiveness all around. Forgive everybody. Paul's convinced of the truth of the gospel. It doesn't make him somehow impervious. He's struggling. He, and this is the deal, right? Like I'm giving you this theological peace, but in the midst of it is the reality that it's hard. I don't like this gospel so much. I would rather have a gospel where all the people who accept Jesus slowly start to glow. They get better and better. They start to be the ones who do all the good stuff and they start to be all the ones who, who have the right responses and they start to be the people who, when I look at them, I can tell in three seconds, I go, wow, that one's saved. And then this other guy over here, you know, they still struggle with anxiety or they still struggle with drugs or they still struggle with whatever and they must not be a Christian because they haven't done the change, the outward change piece that I want to see. I would love that. You know what? It doesn't happen that way. We will not be a people who stand on that kind of garbage. Why are you so strong, Dad? Because Paul is. He says, look at all the things in Philippians, and he goes through about how everything he thought was the strength and the power and the things. As I count it as garbage in order that I might know Jesus, who's the actual yes, because he's the one that went into the presence of God, because he's the son of God, because he's for me, because he's my hope outside of me. And, and so the amen is that I'm going to try and live my life thinking that way, thinking that, oh, forgiveness is where it's at. I'm going to start forgiving. It's a gift that I would forgive someone that doesn't deserve it. I'm going to acknowledge that I still struggle with this mightily. That's what he does. He says, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened to me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I didn't find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and I went on to Macedonia and, and, and be, thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal profes, procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ, him everywhere. See, he struggled even to talk about the gospel because he was so worried about the relationships he was having with the church. Should he have had struggle? No. God's in charge. God has him. It's going to be okay. I just spent time. He's saying God has you all the way through. God has you on the river and he's going to get you where you're supposed to go. He, Paul, the apostle, is struggling. I know it's a yes inside a no, but sometimes the no gets me down. And then he says, thanks be to God, who in Christ leads us in triumphal procession. Oh my goodness, in ourselves, we think failure and suffering and death in ourselves. You know, I see my dad in a wheelchair slowly dying. That's not a triumphal procession, is it? In ourselves, we see our failures and our lack of love. In ourselves, we see broken families and imperfect responses and our own bickering and difficulties. And within that no, there's a yes. What's the yes? It's literally what he's talking about. Praise be to God who Christ, who leads us in triumphal procession. You know, everything Jesus says he's going to do, he's going to do. 
It doesn't look like it, but it's our triumphal procession in Christ, the fragrance and knowledge of him everywhere. That, that's, that's the bumper sticker with the guy speeding, you know. That's us who are sinners. And, but, but when we acknowledge it, because we're humbled by the reality of, I don't, I don't ever deserve Jesus having picked me, and yet I get to proclaim that he, he, he's an, enough for you too. It's not try and be the aroma of Christ by being better than you are, acting better than you are, doing good things in order to impress. That's horse pucky. The whole amen is that we look like no, but we're actually, yes, that's the aroma. An aroma of humility personally and forgiveness from the outside, a hope not in ourselves. That's the aroma of Christ. It's got to be. That's what Paul says. It says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death from another fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things we're not like so many peddlers of God's word but as men of sincerity commissioned by God in the sight of God we speak in Christ we speak in Christ what do we speak favor found full and free forgiveness We speak as our flesh dies. We are not the most competent or the most superficially kind or the most do-gooders. We aren't the slick presenters of professional speaking. We aren't the strong and the handsome and the healthy and the wealthy and the wise. We are not that. That is a fragrance of death to the dying, that the way is that way. The actual truth of the message is what? God for you in the midst of that. That's a yes inside a no. The actual truth of the message of God for you and for me. It's why I do this, you know. It's why we come to this fallen place and sing songs that aren't professional and hear from a guy who isn't a professional. Because the word of God is that amazing. It's that great. So would you understand this this morning? This is Colossians. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, Paul is speaking right now. As you are. So often what I think is, yeah, I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Someday I'll be, you know, God will really be in me. No, he's saying Christ is in you now. In the midst of your brokenness and fallenness and and wrongness. And that doesn't excuse it. That doesn't make it better. That doesn't somehow make it like, oh yeah, let's go make sure our no is really bad. That's Paul's whole, why sin more? No, you don't sin more. It's just a reality. My life is so fallen. And yet in the midst of it, there's such good news. This is the power of God. It's outside of us. It remains there, even for the apostles this morning. That's the we Paul speaks of. We don't become superheroes. We, dear people, we remain poor and sinful and weak and bearing death, but our hope is in the resurrection that's coming. We actually suffer God's work in us. That our hope is not in here Our hope is in Him. 
He does what he wants, and we communicate that truth. Jesus has done it all. So this, at the end of the day, sounds really heavy, but it's why we, I, can be an optimist. I'd be an optimist all day long. Why? It's not because of the proof of my growing strength, right? It's not because of of the reality of your increasing love. It's not our growing health. Quite the contrary. I sat with a dear member of of our church family this very week, and he's in hospice, slowly going down. I'm so encouraged by him. Why? Because he's talking about Jesus. That's the hope outside of you, right? Not in, in, in somehow I'm, I'm appropriated and therefore I'm stronger. No, I'm actually getting weaker. I see more clearly than ever in my entire life. My only hope is outside. He died on a cross for us. Death did not hold him. He promises life eternal and fruit right now. That's part of the promise. He promised it. Death did not hold him. Unseen and unaware, I am and still so low. But we know that our hope is in him and he's made these promises that are yes, always yes. So no matter what happens, we can be an optimist, positive, we can all say amen. So I just I want to say that one time. I say that all the promises of Christ are yes in him. And we all say amen. One more time. All the promises, all the promises of Christ, everything that he said, every place that he, he said he was prepared a place for you. He says he's taken your sin and nailed it to the cross. He says all the requirements that are against you are gone. He said he's got you every moment of the way. And all the people of God say amen. It's fantastic news and has nothing to do with your ability to get there. It has every, everything to do with his ability to get you there. Rest knowing he's got you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this piece of your Bible. Thank you for Paul and his, his insistence that everything is yes in Christ. Lord, forgive me. I put so much weight on me. I make so many assumptions about how you're for or against me based on me. Forgive me, Father. Forgive us that we are so inward looking. Help us to raise our eyes to the wonder of what you've done for us. To rest there, to know, to put our hope in what you've done. We do that again, Lord. We're so grateful in our failures that you forgive in our weakness, that you're our strength. And in our lives, Lord, you are our love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.